And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. I am Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing especially well because today we have another guest coming to The Good, The Bad, and The What. Yeah. Uh, he is... He, he is the owner and manager of the Cinemagic Theater in Portland. He's a very good friend of ours. Ryan Frakes, welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The What. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's got half half my wedding party from 2016 is on this podcast. <laughs> That's true. So, <laughs> didn't think that would happen, so very excited. So thank you for coming on, man. Really, yeah, no, really thank, thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I like <clears throat> love listening to the show. So, well, like we'd it. love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. We'd love to hear that. And, uh, you know, you're on today, number one, because you're a very good friend of ours. But number two, uh, we have we have an excite, exciting uh, co-venture here to, to plug for our listeners. Um, so on Saturday, October 16th, that'll be uh, about a week after this episode drops that you're listening uh, our podcast, The Good, The Bad, and The What, is sponsoring a showing at the Cinematic Theater of pieces of the the 1982 uh, Trashter piece, I think would probably be the, the way <laughs> that to... pretty much sums it up. I think it pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be we're going to be hosting that or, or more or less. Unfortunately, Chris won't be flying in. I, I will be hosting it. I'll be introing the movie. But it's at 930 at the Cinematic Theater in Portland. So if you are in the Portland area listening or near in the Seattle area, anywhere that's drivable, uh, we highly recommend you come check it out. Very excited. Um, but, you know, just, of course, to let you know a little bit of housekeeping before uh, vaccination card or a negative COVID test within 72 hours is required for entry into the screening. Um, but other than that, thank you. And I, we hope to see you there. Another thing uh, <clears throat> I realize you say in the wedding party also. The first time I saw pieces was at the bachelor party with both of you. Oh my God, oh, you're shit. right. Yeah. Yes, you're totally right. Totally just remember that. You're right, 100%. I subjected you guys to, to it. Yes. Well, you breaks. Chris had already seen it. Yeah, I subjected fine. it this to it a, a while This ago. was a good subjection. I've, I've, there's been some <laughs> other subjections that you've put me onto that were not quite as... Yeah, we're gonna talk about one of them today at least. Oh, I, can't, okay. I can't wait for that. <laughs> oh, oh, I do not shift the blame to me on that one. That was not. This is not my doing me. because this is yes because to get back on track, Chris. These are your picks this week. You teased them at the end of last week. We we're going to be talking about horror anthologies. So I will kick it to you to introduce the picks a little, maybe a little bit of background and then we'll, we'll hop into our good as per usual. Hell yeah. Uh, so like I said, uh, last week I wanted to do horror anthologies. We're, we're speaking, uh, we're, we're kicking off uh, spooky October. Wanted to get in the mood and you know, what better to get you in the mood than little, uh, <clears throat> little tastes, little, uh, little bits of different kinds of horror. And so that's really what horror anthologies are all about. Uh, I grew up 
you know, watching Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, uh, X Files, and shows like that 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 are, are I mean, X Files not so much, but uh, week after week, little short horror vignettes, and so then these movies sort of get me get me in the mood, and and they don't take a whole lot of your time since you can get in and get out. So. Uh, without further ado, I can just do the introductions for what the good, bad, what are. Uh, that's going to be Creep Show from 1982, directed by George A. Romero, is our good. The bad is Veronica from 2019, directed by Glenn Danzig. And the what is going to be Waxwork from 1988, directed by Anthony Hickox. Um, I, I know that we might have some people pushing up their glasses uh, uh, saying that Waxwork is not a horror anthology but we will get to the reasoning there uh and why i vehemently disagree but i feel like we can just go ahead and 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 kick off the first one uh with uh, uh creep show and uh, i'll kick it to the guest frakes if you want to just give uh your thoughts feelings on on your most recent watch of creep show uh yeah you know i actually watched this movie during the pandemic, we did we fi- finally got to do the whole watch thirty one horror movies mm. in thirty one days. So I saw it pro- what two years ago, probably now, and uh, I recently just watched it two nights ago. I really enjoy this movie. Um, <clears throat> it's a bit long for me, but uh, there's there's things like as a whole, I don't know how much like I enjoy sitting the whole thing through, but then I can't like find when I ask myself the question of which my favorite story is out of the five, I can't, I can't figure out which one's my favorite. (laughs) So, and I don't know, it's, it's a little different watching anthologies more than anything. And I don't have a lot of history with creep show, uh, besides watching the show recently as well. Right. Yeah. On shutter. Yeah. 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 And I think creep show probably more than any others. Uh, I usually when watching, uh, uh, horror anthologies, or at least, like from from my recollection, they're usually uh, three uh, short vignettes wrapped around a, a larger story. And Creepshow uh, very much just kind of hammers it out, and so you get like a little bit of, of everything in this one. There's a little bit of body horror. There's you know monsters. There's undead. Uh, they really sort of hit all of the different uh, tallies along the way, and that's one of the things I really respected about it. So I, I definitely see what where you're coming from, where you can't really think about which one's your favorite. I definitely have a favorite. We'll probably get into that conversation since I would like to delve into each of the anthologies as we go through these episodes. Um, but we'll kick it to to other Ryan, host Ryan. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the most recent rewatch of Creep Show? <laughs> the artist formerly known as Ryan. Um, <laughs> no, I I, uh, I I do enjoy this movie as well. I, like Freaks, I watched it for the first time. I think the October before the pandemic. Um, so so I'm fairly new to this movie as well. It was a huge blind spot for me. And you know, you already mentioned Twilight Zone and Tales from the Crypt. Um, so I mean, Tales from the Crypt is probably naturally a good place to launch um, because Tales from the Crypt is like Creep Show, based on EC Comics, which was a, a you know a news uh, comic book line in the '40s and the '50s that were like different, like political satire, and they were very like countercultural, and it's like they were horror, but they were also macabre, and they had like a sense of irony to them, which you know is the binding thread really of all five of these is like all five of these are very like darkly comedic in tone Mm -hmm. and they have a comic book style um which is probably my favorite thing about the movie is the stylistic choices that that george romero and stephen king are clearly throwing back to the ec comics um of, of yesteryear so i i enjoy it i think my only sort of thing is i would agree with frakes i think the movie's a bit long um that's that's my only thing and and 
I, as much as I, I, I love Romero, and, and I, I know deep down you felt the need to, to redeem and pick good because you picked Monkey Shines as a bad yes. from a couple week, uh, months back. Um, I, I do my favorite anthologies outside of TV shows because they are in like smaller sort of mm-hmm. like bite-sized chunks. I tend to go for the anthologies where the segments are directed by a different filmmaker. Like I think of like the most recently, and by the time you're listening to this, uh, the will be a new anthology out vhs 94 will mm-hmm. have hit shutter um but we're recording before that so none of us has seen the movie yet um but like vhs 2 for example which is like one of my favorite anthologies in recent memory mm-hmm. where you have like adam wingard doing one of them and the the blair witch guys i forget their names escape me excuse me um you have uh gareth edwards no gareth evans excuse me the raid gareth right gareth not the, the right not gareth. the godzilla gareth um doing one and and uh jason eisner of hobo with a shotgun like you have different people doing the shorts and so right. it kind of varies up with the binding theme as much as i love romero i think the movie gets samey after a while because of the running time even though um you know i won't bury the lead even though my favorite short is the second to last one is the crate mm-hmm. um personally so um it's just a little long, it's a little samey by the end of it, but I think the movie's a lot of fun, and I definitely think that this one for sure is like, when people think of anthology horror movies, this is usually the one that people go to immediately. And and I, again, for good reason, I think it's a crowd pleaser, I think it's fun. It's definitely Romero's most studio movie, at least the most like like known faces that he's worked with, you know, people like Hal Holbrook and Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, like, yeah, so. Um, Those are yeah, things that it makes it that much easier to watch just yeah. because it's, you know, it's not straight horror. It's got fun elements going like the whole way through to keep you there. Um, I'm not sure the story behind creep show, if it was a comic book first, but I love the effects that they put into it. That and just seeing Stephen King, his character and seeing people like Leslie Nielsen be put in these totally different worlds than they're used to. Yes. That's really what makes the movie. <clears throat> it's what drives you to, to keep going, really. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's a mixture of both the fun and the horror. Agreed. Yeah, like, uh, you know, odd casting like that, but then also seeing uh, there, there's a couple of uh, uh, John Carpenter alum, uh, of course, uh, Adrienne Barbeau. Uh, I was always happy to see her. But then Hal Holbrook, who you uh, mentioned before, um, was in The Fog. Um, there, And uh, I also didn't, didn't want to bury the lead, but I will go out and say that The Crate is also my favorite of the anthology but um it's largely because of adrian barbeau yes. for me yeah, she's excellent. <laughs> she's, uh, and so just good. the the creature design uh i think yeah that, that's another well, thing is the, the the stylistically i really enjoy uh sort of the the um the flashes to just bright colors and crazy zany backgrounds and stuff when they do close-ups on someone who's screaming and, and it's very much like a comic book panel which is great mm-hmm. but the the creature design of not only the monster from the crate but um, the, the father from Father's Day and um, yes. uh, just like a lot of the squib work and stuff like it, it is it, when it when it decides to go horror it can go you know full uh, you know full over that line there uh, and I was going to also make a uh, honorable mention I was split between nominating uh, creep show or body bags uh, uh, to be the good for this episode body bags of course um, is the John Carpenter uh, 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 directed uh and like co-directed by toby hooper uh film from uh what year 1993 yeah, yeah thank you it was supposed um, to launch a tv series for showtime but they they canned it before it made it so this is it was essentially a pilot mm-hmm. really 
And yeah. I mean that John Carpenter's history of like trying to launch an anthology series, like the man wanted an anthology so bad and got so many false starts, and that just none of them, mm-hmm. none of them wanted yeah, to take off. He's got so many other things, man. It's like yeah. it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you've oh, got, he came up short you've got the thing. You've got Halloween. Classic yeah. horror movies of all time. Oh, I think God. he's doing okay. <laughs> also, I mean, we mentioned you know John Carpenter trying to uh, start an anthology, and and you want to look at uh, John Carpenter adjacent alum because he at least wrote Season of the Witch. Uh, we have uh, fan f- or show favorite Tom Atkins mm-hmm. in the wraparound story oh, yeah. of this. <laughs> I, I you can recognize his voice, or at least I can. Like before he yeah. was even on screen, I heard him yelling. I was like, oh, that's right, Tom that's Atkins. Tom Atkins. <laughs> And he's good. He, I wish it could use more Atkins, though. That, oh, like much, much like Night of the Creeps when we talked about it, it can always use more Tom Atkins. Um, thrill me, thrill me. But did you want to use? Like you said, you wanted to go. Did you want to go short by short, like briefly, and just kind of like? I'd let. I'd like to them, touch or? on all of them. I mean, that's kind of the fun of these, right? Is you you get a little bit of flavor with each one, and and of course, like all anthologies, not all of them are as successful, but I think they all have something to say about them. Oh, without, <clears throat> without a doubt, I think yep. it's best to go through them all. So, if you want to start at the top, if we want to go, uh, if we're going uh, Atkins or non-Atkins, do we want to? We don't want to talk about the whole uh, overarching thing, or we can. I mean, we can start with the intro that gives us sort of it, it sets up really the the comic book intro of the movie, where basically uh, this young kid is is reading comic books and his uh, his dad, which like. I know that it's it's about like the like the comics of the 1950s, but this is a very 1950s dad as well, where he's like slamming his beers and yelling at his kid and threatening to beat him, and the mom is just yes. like, "Oh, you stop razzing him up!" And it's just like this guy's a fucking asshole. Like this yeah. is not how you fucking parent. It's people. so ridiculous, man. It reminds me of like. I wish it was like Meatloaf and Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny when he goes in and starts tearing off all the all the metal posters, man. It's just strange to me that it's comic books. Your brother's ten times better than you. Jesus loves him more. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for that. For the context. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but it's it's ridiculous, but it's Tom Atkins, and so like you're like, yeah, you, you lovable prick. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he like he doesn't really do anything, and then there's sort of the uh, there's the cool like skeleton animatronic that's outside of his window, um, that sort of gives the wink and the nudge that this is just going to be sort of a bonkers, weird surrealistic movie uh, throughout, and, and it is. And and the first one that we cut to is Father's Day, which I I know is like really well loved and respected. I wouldn't put this in. I'd probably put it in my top three of the five. Um, but, I mean, personally, I felt like Father's Day sort of dragged a little bit in, like... I, I know you were talking about it feeling, like, samey. I feel like after the introduction of sort of setting up, like, there being an open secret in the family of a murder, then they sort of kind of lollygag around until they get to the eventual point that we figured that they would get to from the beginning... I don't know if, if you feel the same or if that's just me yeah. being a little bit cold on you it. You know, I think that the... I, I enjoy Father's Day. I kind of feel the same. It does feel like it drags a little bit, but I feel like it's a good way to open the movie as a whole mm. because it it's actually got some horror elements with, you know, obviously him coming back to life. and But the whole, like, him wanting the cake the whole time 
It's like it's there's enough horror there, but there's enough fun mm-hmm. to just kind of ease you in to the stuff that's going to come later. You know, yeah. It kind it kind of gives a good idea of what the movie's going to be. It feels like a campfire story in the yeah. way that it's told. very much does uh, of like the yes. ghost has its phrase that it says, and that's how you can tell it's come. Like it, it feels very much like that. Yeah, and Ed Harris too, man. And Ed yes, Harris. <laughs> like Ed, like Ed Harris, Harris rocks. Yeah. He's great in this. Yeah. No, I I think I, I would say it's it's probably in like like what did you say, Chris? Top three. Yeah. I would probably say that it'd be like number three if I were to rank them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something we do by the time we get to these before we swing into our our bad or what is we we rank them. But um, I think I think it's fun and like fun enough. And I think for me, I mean, you know, we'd be remiss to of course mention Tom Savini did the effects for these movies yep. for this movie as well. Uh that 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 like iconic look of the like maggot like invested corpse is I, I don't know. I think that's a lot of fun that sticks with oh, yeah. you. Um, you know, and and they keep coming back to it. I like the actual like him rising from the grave and like that whole sequence. And so it's like there's a lot of good stuff I think within it. Um and I think it, it, it hits the tone it gets you into the tone of the movie pretty well, where it's like, you know, when when they're talking about the family secret, they're, of course, talking, you know, you have really terrific actors here, but they're all, like, so exaggerated. And so, like, it reminds me of, like, like what Tim Burton can do at his best. Like, it reminds me of Beetlejuice, which I'm sure, like, something like this, and then the further you see comics, would probably, like, an inspiration for, for him. Yeah. Or Mars Attacks. Like, it has that sort of feeling to it. So, I think... It's a good one to get, like I think Frank's already mentioned, it, it's a good one to ease you in mm-hmm. to the rest of the movie to come. And it's and it's sort of like, I feel like they placed them well, too. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but like, you know, you get this one, and it's like, this one's about a 30-minute one, and then the next one's shorter, and then the next two are longer, then it ends with a shorter one. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like it just kind of like, they knew the right place to place each and every one of these. Right. I think this is in my bottom two. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How I do I do want to get into a conversation of ranking these. How how do we want to go about ranking these? Because I, I I know that because we're all going to be split on this. I think Ryan and I we probably agree that this would be like like my number three. Um, what would you consider to be your number three, Frakes? If if you were on like the same level. Number three. Yeah. <clears throat> Or maybe that's an odd um, way to do this. Ryan and I both said that ours is the crate. What's your favorite? Probably something to tide you over. Yeah. Or the crate. Yeah. yeah something to tide you over is my second. But Jordy, my second. Jordy, Jordy Verrill is definitely in the top three for me. Okay. Okay. That might be where we differ. Do we just want to all just say our ranking? We're already at this point. Yeah, we're already like in the middle, like what chopping it all up. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, hey, hey. Uh um well Chris are your picks. Why don't why don't you go first? Oh shit. We'll, okay. we'll go down the line. Um I would honestly say that my my number one is the crate. Uh my my number two would be something that to tide you over. Uh my number three would be probably Father's it would be Father's Day, then I would go the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, and then the last one is they're creeping up on you. That's mine too. That's my Is exact it really? order. Okay, I'll <laughs> That's your exact five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh like, my god. That's shocking. How how does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> you guys should do a podcast together. <laughs> I know. What a concept. <laughs> All right. Well, Frakes, you're you're gonna be the the point of contention. What's your five? You know, I don't know. Okay, so it's really tough for the top one. It's 
it's between the crate and something that ties you over. Mm. And then my third would be the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Then Father's Day, then they're creeping up on you. Okay. So which relatively... I think it's important. To, I mean, yeah. it's important to point out that I think it was a really strange choice to end the movie on that. Yes. Short. Yeah. yeah. I was going to mention that too. It's it's the most. It's the least fun. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. I I think that's that's one where we talk about um, is least fun. That's the one I think where it gets real samey. Like yeah. you know, if that's the buzzword of this one. Like I like E.G. Marshall's performance in it. Like mm-hmm. and I, and I like his sort of just like spurts of vulgarity that he gets into. <laughs> but it does like kind of just drag on. And, and I'm wondering actually. I'm wondering if maybe because if they wanted to end with a shorter one. I will rescind my previous statement of these being in the right order. Maybe they switched this with Jordy Verrill, mm-hmm. um, but maybe they knew this wasn't the best one, so they were like, "Well, we'll just we'll put it at the end." I I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know, but um, and Jordy Verrill was fun. I I was a little cold on it the first time I saw it. I don't know something about Stephen King's performance in it like bugged me, but like watching it again, I was like, you know what, he's having a ball. I think he's he's it's okay. Goofy. It's goofball, and I yeah, I yeah. think. I, I think it may have been the right choice to put it where it is. I think if we, I think in, in your scenario that you're positing, if Jordy Verrill would have been at the end, I think there probably would have been a bit too much stuff that, especially with uh, they will creep up on you, like coming before this and uh, the uh, something to tide you over. They they have like goofy elements in it, but nothing is as zany and and just sort of cartoonish as uh the the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill or at least in terms of his performance i mean it ends pretty harrowing when he blows his head off with a shotgun um right like that's pretty whoa okay that's stark uh, and but like everything <laughs> leading up to that where yeah. he's like cross-eyed and like doy like your face yeah he's like i wonder if that college just, will pay me for the meteorite yeah. Like, yeah yeah i love i love that short because it just you know i think this is stephen king's like second performance of all time Second, and I think it's a second. I think oh, he had a second small role. Yes, yeah. being on screen, yeah. But like his like meteor shit comments mm-hmm. and like calling himself a lunkhead and talking to himself, and then he's got all these daydreams he goes through, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, what's going on? But I love that he's like turning into this Grinch marijuana looking plant thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous to me and how he deals with it. But I I think the performance is. Watching it the first time, I didn't think I thought it was a little over the top, but watching it the second time, I actually enjoyed it more because of you. Know, like Oliver said, how much fun he was having with that character. Definitely, and he's and he's still got it too uh, in terms of because it had been a long time since he cameoed in any of his movies, and he was in uh, It Chapter Two as like the antique store owner, and yeah. uh, it was like one of the highlights of that movie. Bill Denborough tries, uh, James McAvoy as an adult, tries to get his childhood bike back, and, and Stephen King's just the curmudgeon store owner who wants like to haggle him for a bunch of money. It's great. Like, he's still got it, and it's, that's, that's uh, yeah, he's he, he can be fun. Or, of course, you know, of course, his most iconic role as the guy who says the ATM is telling me to fuck off in uh, Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ATM's telling me to fuck off. <laughs> but yeah no i think that's a fun short and yeah. it's probably the it's probably is actually placed pretty well because something to tide you over is it's awesome because of like the production design and leslie nielsen and, and ted dance's performances in the movie 
but it's weird. Like it's really fucking weird the whole thing. Dude, I I love that. It's that okay, out of all of the shorts in this movie, that terrifies me. Mm-hmm. I just, I just having Leslie Nielsen not be like this. Well, he's kind of like a quirky dude still, you know, where, you know, Ted Danson's like in the sand and he's like, oh, this is like, this is a tape. And he's like, no, as you can see, I'm recording it so I can watch for later. Oh, you, oh, but you can't turn your head. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but then I realized like, I, you always, people always talk about like being buried alive as one of the worst things that can happen to you. I'm starting, I was watching that and I was like, dude. It would be awful to be buried in the sand like that and just watch the waves come towards you. It's yes. stressful. It was it yes. was stressing me yeah. out. I don't like water and like I fear of drowning. So like the double factor of being buried alive while also being like, oh, well, you're probably gonna drown too. Yeah, like, and then yeah. Frank no, Strebin being a dick to you while all that's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's 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 something, and then that one too, of course, like the uh, the iconography of that one, mm. uh, you know, the, the, where they're like the the uh, seaweed like dripping monsters at the end of it. It's oh, like, that's fantastic! That's so good with some yeah, cool like, so great squib work back. and stuff of him, like when he starts shooting them, and it shows like salt water and like dark green blood like gushing out of the holes in their head and stuff as he's shooting them, and it it that's what I'm talking about, where it's like being tonally. All over the place. It, it like um, because it, that intro, that introduction of like it's so serious and very scary of the setup of like I'm going to watch you on tape like drown on a beach um, and like it's a very stressful situation and then it becomes a ghost story uh, like a ghost revenge tale at the end and I think it fits. I don't think it, it's so disjointed that like you get like pulled out of it or anything. But that's one of the things that I really like about Creepshow is that it sort of toes this line of like, we're a fun kids comic book, but here's like this really horrific, harrowing thing like suicide or drowning somebody to death on tape so you can watch it later and probably masturbate. I don't know exactly what he does, but come on. Like, what do you <laughs> record just, it for, Frank? Yeah. <laughs> there's characters that like in real life that you would think about, right? Like a good a good example of this is like Mark Duplass's creep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like you yeah. think about people that are like so crazy that seem normal. Yeah. But you know they could just be doing this crazy shit, and I don't know. It just makes it that much more horrifying on the on the real scale. Obviously not on the ghost story scale. Right. But you know just dealing with Leslie Nielsen's character, it's just I don't know. It's a lot. I've never drowned anybody alive, so I can't say for sure that that's not what happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do we want to go on to, uh, well, I mean, the next one is The Crate. Uh, the Crate's, the Crate's I, great. I, I think it has the most, uh, sorry, I don't mean to take the reins here. No, no, take like, it. Oh. Yeah. But I, I, I think to me it has, to me why it's great, I mean, we already mentioned Adrian Barbeau, who's mm-hmm. just a foul-mouthed, like, complete and utter, like, uh, you know, drunken, not not train wreck, just just very like foul mouth, very like emasculating. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why I like the crate so much is I feel like the crate has the most like uh, very clear kind of like what it's about. And it's about like male emasculation and, and, and how like how Holbrook's character is like so pathetic throughout it because like he continuously envisions killing his wife mm-hmm. and those sort of like blurring the the lines between reality and his sort of dream sequences are like really fantastic but then it's also like you know and i mean adrian barbeau has that big like tirade at the end which is fantastic of basically like saying like he's 
he's so pathetic that it's like he has these daydreams of doing it but he couldn't go through with it himself until this like creature by happenstance landed in his lap so it's like okay i'm gonna lure her down in hopes that this creature does it so that i don't have to do it so it's like you don't even have the balls to do that right and so i think like to me it's got the clearest but again it's also the most fun because i think i think barbeau is great i think how hope how holbrook is great as well as the just like you know it's totally like pathetic uh pathetic uh what is he? He's a scientist, right? Yeah, he's a professor. He's a professor yes, at yeah, the pathetic professor. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I think that's great, and of course, I just love the. It got me from the the opening scene, from the opening moments of like her just like being loudmouth at the party mm-hmm. and him pulling a gun out and shooting her in the head, and everybody <laughs> clapping. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Nice so shot!" And, yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts back to the reality. I was like, "Okay, this is yeah." This she's is wonderful. just like, "I told you to go get the car twenty minutes ago." <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> Wilma deserved it, man. Yeah. Oh, so she's great. She's driving me nuts, man. But when you guys were talking earlier about like what should close the movie out, this is the one that I think should close the movie out because it's the it's for one it's the longest mm-hmm. and yeah. it's obviously got the biggest buildup towards the end mm-hmm. yes and it has all the elements in it it has all the horror it's got the comedy it's got the revenge it's got the monster it's got all the comic book special effects oh yeah things it's trying to do where I, that's what i thought i thought it was a little weird when watching this the first time that that wasn't that wasn't the final punchline you know I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I think if this one did follow, I, I think if the they will creep up on you followed, they will tide you over, and they just swap places with these ones, it probably would work a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it's because after that, you're kind of like, wait, why, why, why do I need something else? Like yeah, this is right. it's it's awesome. Yeah, I may, maybe they just cut out. They're creeping up on you. Maybe we do a fan edit and just cut that one out, and then it's then it's about a hundred minutes long. I think I a one hundred percent. It's the machete order. Yeah. <laughs> Just get rid of yeah. them creeping up on you. <laughs> what is no man? Cockroaches? The... <laughs> like the scariest cockroaches? I mean, we can get into their creeping yeah. up on you. It's and it's a bottle episode. Like so, it's yeah. it's like. I mean, I guess like the orderly guy or like the front desk guy comes by at at one point, and it's basically uh, um, uh, E.G. Marshall um, playing Ups and Pratt. Um, he's talking on the phone to like various people around the world and just generally being a fucking asshole to the point where it's just like, I don't like this guy. I'm totally fine with him dying. And then it just takes a really long time for him to die. And while he's, while we're waiting for that to happen, he's like saying racist shit and like continuously proving over and over and over that he's the worst human being to the point where it's just like, I don't enjoy anything that's going on. And then when he does die, it's like not. It, I don't even feel it's as satisfying that when he dies, like, yeah, I would have liked well, to see him get eaten by the crate thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to step over you You're there. Good. It's because it, it's it's not satisfying because we've watched four of these mm-hmm. and we know that it's got an ironic tone, so you know he's going to die from the start. Right. So you're just like, well, okay, like, right. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. Can it happen sooner? <laughs> right. Well, and even like, I I feel like they they we're almost going for like an Ebenezer Scrooge, but if Scrooge didn't learn a lesson, uh, like they, they keep presenting him <laughs> yeah, with situations yeah. where he like his heart grew three times that day. Or like they keep presenting him with situations where it's like, you drove this guy out of business and he killed himself. 
and then his wife calls him to be like, my husband's dead because of you, and he's like overjoyed, like, good, fuck that guy, and it's just like, well, I, okay, like, <laughs> he's not learning a lesson, and for some reason this sketch is continuing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, no, I got nothing agree. else to add. That that sounds <laughs> yeah, no, right I, on. That was the point last night where I think I was just like I was because I, I finished this last night before mm. I would think I was just like okay, I'm ready for bed. When is this <laughs> wrapping up? <laughs> so, um, well, and then yeah, to I think wrap yeah, up, we can talk about the epilogue. Yes, the eventual fate of uh, Tom Atkins, which. Yeah, and the trash, the garbage guys are like my favorite. One of which is Tom Savini. They're yeah. the best. Yes. Yeah. Chew your food before you eat it. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, just two goofy guys that lead into the Tom Atkins thing. I, yeah, and they're, they're sort of a, a sidebar conversation of like, hey, comic books, my kid loves these. I love them too. And he comes over and starts reading it. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, they're they're sort of like, oh well, look, a, a a voodoo doll, but somebody already clipped this coupon out, so we can't get it. Is like the setup to the young kid had ordered a voodoo doll via the comic book, and he starts like stabbing the shit out of its neck, which is hurting Tom Atkins, but he doesn't die, which is less satisfying because I was like, well, that guy's a dick too. I wouldn't mind if he died. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like his son has this voodoo doll that Barry can just he can do whatever he wants. He's just being a dick, you know. Yeah, so yeah think- shut up. Stab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it too because we were talking earlier that like the he's a total 1950s dad like getting pissed off about comic books and then these two garbage guys are just like oh yeah I love comic books too it's like these are the cool dads yeah. <laughs> these dads are living are the in the cool now ones. yeah yeah exactly yeah for sure for sure um, yeah no it's 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 a lot of fun and and I think that's the thing to stress the most is like the movie's fun it's a bit long. Um, yes. But, you know, but then you have the alternative with the second one, uh, which less said about the second mm. one, the better. Yikes. <laughs> I, I personally would just skip the creeping up on us and then just go straight to the epilogue. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a valid. Skip that chapter, move point. forward. And if you're, if you're looking for a, a horror anthology that's more geared towards traditional classic horror, um, I would say check out uh, Body Bags, uh, since that it, it has fewer stories, um, but those ones are, I feel like, more stri- traditional straight across horrors. They're not having as much fun with it, so um, if that's more your bag, eh, eh, um, I would uh, recommend that you check that one out instead. Um, but if you guys are up to it, if you're feeling it, if you have enough uh, mind-altering substances in your body, we can roll on over to... Glenn Danzig's Veronica. I drank my beer too soon for this conversation. <laughs> Ready when you are, Captain. Man, I've been doing a no drinking on the weeknights rule uh, as of late. Uh, it's actually been really, really nice. Um, and now we have to talk about Veronica. So that sound you hear is my key ring jangling, <laughs> opening a second beer so we could talk about this absolute you're, shit fuck of a movie. You're gonna need it. <laughs> Cheers, gentlemen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, virtual clink of the glasses. Virtual cheers. This is... So I had not seen this before. Ryan, this is unfortunately your second time seeing this? Would not wish that on my worst enemy. Once. Let alone <laughs> twice. Let alone twice. Now, I, I not to get too far ahead, but uh, back when we first started this this podcast, the beginning of the year, because we I know we've talked about our, our mythical, magical 
uh, lengthy Google spreadsheet of, of future episodes, mm-hmm. and and of course we were saving spooky season uh, uh, ones. And Chris from the start wanted to do horror anthologies. Fantastic. He had texted me and he's like, Veronica, like, is it a bad or a what? And I was like, straight up, I was like, it's bad. I was like, it, it is a bad. Like, I understand it's got a weird sort of like midnight cult following, which we'll definitely dive into. But it's like, no, this movie, this movie is very, very like borderline unwatchable. Borderline yes. war crimes, I, I would say this movie is. And... And you've listened to us talk about some of the movies on this show, if you've been a frequent listener, that I've picked. Movies like Night Killer, movies like Champagne and Bullets. If I'm sitting here telling you that this movie's a war crime, you should probably run as far away from it as you can and and do not go near it. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, I hate this movie. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Freaks, do you feel similar? I have something to say. <laughs> uh, where to begin? For one, I watched this movie on the big screen at Cinemagic Theater. Oh. Might have been better if I actually watched the gold curtains open first. <laughs> but I will say, uh, I don't know, who came up with the corn screen idea? Was it you or Oliver? Both of us. Let's both say of both you guys? Of us. Yeah, was, so we've yeah. been watching, so if you guys already know, we've been watching movies that we all pick that are generally bad or just fun to watch, where you guys have put me through Night Killer, and you guys have put me through... Suburban Sasquatch, which I left. <laughs> like so, the pain keeps coming, and then, and then, dear God, I feel even worse because it was a Shutter exclusive. Veronica was did not know this. Mm. I paid money for it. Oh no, Frank! <laughs> to be fair, if you want to feel better, I paid money for it when it first hit digital because I should say. I mean, as I already prefaced, I'm I'm a massive degenerate. So when I heard about this movie, I was like, <laughs> I'm watching that the second it hits iTunes. And I did, and I regretted it. <laughs> so anyway, I'm saying you guys have drugged me through some 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 dirt, man. But sure. uh, this one uh, this one takes the cake for me. This, yeah. was a, this is the worst one. It's bad. Oh, wow. It's, I mean, I couldn't finish Suburban Sasquatch, so I don't know if it's the worst one. It's not. But <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Suburban Sasquatch, and I and I, I texted this to to Ryan after I was done watching it is. Like Suburban Sasquatch or uh, Things, the Barry J. Gillis film, uh, Champagne and Bullets, even. Those guys making that movie have more creative talent in their pinky finger than Glenn Danzig displayed in any frame in this movie. Well, there, they have imagination. There's no creativity mm-hmm. going into this movie. Like, it, it, it's all an excuse to just hang out with strippers. Yeah. This is the entire movie. Literally the only thing that's good about this movie, which you would hope, given his resume and his solo career and being the front man of the Misfits, is the music itself, which, you know, and that's the thing. This is, this is, he isn't starring in it, but this is that sort of vanity project that we talk about. He directed it. Uh, he wrote it. It's based on his own line of graphic novels called Verotica mm-hmm. that like have an intersection between horror and erotica. And he did the score for the movie, but again, that's like the only good thing about it, because you're like, well, you're a musician, I would hope the score is at least, like, listenable, and, and it is, but, man, right. so a little bit of I backstory. didn't even know there was music. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked out somewhere 20 minutes into the movie, know. I don't know. Um, 
No, I guess a little bit of context. So, you know, Frakes, you already mentioned, this is a Shutter exclusive. So Shutter picked it up, and, and you, you can watch it on there. We do not recommend that you do, but if you Don't. are a, a weirdo and you're like, well, I'm yeah. going to do it anyway, it's on Shutter. Um, do not pay for it. The do only, not pay for it. Do not pay for it. So Don't the, contribute to Glenn Danzig. The only sort of real reason that this movie has any kind of cult following, any kind of, like, midnight movie, so bad as good, like, whatever you want to call it, only reason it has that is the story goes it debuted as the i think it was the opening night movie at cinepocalypse which is a genre festival in chicago um it was the opening night movie of cinepocalypse 2019 and the festival the programmers accepted the movie sight unseen because they were a small they're a small genre festival and like you know running a film festival is freaking difficult so i understand Mm -hmm. I do understand and I empathize where you're like, okay, we have this movie and it's by Glenn Danzig, uh, you know, Glenn Danzig. It's like, okay, like, yeah, he's a famous musician. Like I, I yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. We can have the world premiere of the movie. Awesome. So it was the opening night movie sight unseen and the unsuspecting audience in the crowd. Like that's how people got talking about it because nobody knew. And then everyone was like, uh, <laughs> just like, totally like, <laughs> Just, just had no reaction. I guess even in the Q and A, because like people were like snickering throughout the movie, you know, much like of course how the room caught wind as like a oh, sure. movie, right? And so like people were snickering, and I guess like there was, you know, as most film festivals, there was a Q and A at the end, and I think somebody asked him about like the intent, and and Glenn Danzig was like, yeah, that well, my intent wasn't to make it funny. Uh, like it wasn't meant to be humorous and I was like well I mean I still don't think it is in an ironic way but it's like what did how did you look at that and be like that's okay to put out there in the world like I I just (laughs) I thought the question was gonna be how am I gonna get an hour and a half of my life back (laughs) are you paying for it are you getting are you doing something for me go ahead can you imagine being those organizers for that film festival and being like, yeah, cool, and then that movie starts, like, that would kill your film festival. It would be terrible. Like, I wouldn't attend anything else. And if I'm not mistaken, that same festival, if you want to go back to our sort of, like, inside joke, inside group, uh, you know, Saturday Night Movie Night, um, I think that the, I don't think it debuted because it might have played at the Fantastic Fest the year before, but that fest also played the gore cut of Tammy and the T-Rex. I was like, that would have been a better movie to open your festival oh, yeah. with than, than this. Yeah, that movie's garbage. fun as shit. Yeah, that movie's actually a lot of fun. Wait, and wait, then, wait a second. I'm missing this. Are, did this movie open the festival? Yes. It was the opening oh night movie of Cinepocalypse. Yes. Oh, I it thought it was. Movie. I thought it was just like in in the midst of no. everything else. Opening oh, night shit. film. Opening night <laughs> first impression. Yes, your festival goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it got lips a flapping. Um, not for the reasons I think Glenn Danzig intended, but it, it got people no. talking, and that's the only reason that this movie is caught on in any way. It would be in the complete dregs of the video on demand wasteland. Had that not happened. where it deserves to be. It deserves to be. But instead, it got a, you know, like, it got known. And I forget the title of the movie. I'll pull it up here shortly. But Glenn Danzig made another movie. It came out this year. And as as a theatrical exclusive, which oh yeah, it's a western like, one. Yeah, it is a western. It's a vampire. So it's western. somebody, somebody in a yeah, in a some western guy in a vampire's world or something. I had I had to look it up afterward. I was like, Did this guy get funding for anything else? Stop this man. 
Death Rider in the House of Vampires <laughs> Somebody stop in the movie. Him. Which is just like, <laughs> oh god, and them being like, uh, and then the, the the nerve of like, look, I, I'm I'm a theatrical exclusive person. Like I, I I tout that. Like you 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 your feelings may vary, but the goal of Glenn Danzig being like, no, you have to go out to my theater and see the movie. I'm like, really? HBO put the Suicide Squad out for people, and you're like, no, you can only see my movie in the theater. Like. <laughs> No, no, Glenn. No, Glenn. I mean, maybe the reason I hated Veronica is because I watched it at home. I mean, maybe the theater experience <laughs> no. is what really, no. really disaster. Well, Franks could <laughs> attend to the fact that <laughs> no. it was not that. <laughs> I mean, it was it was harder for me to leave. But I but there's also alcohol there and like I said before, I'm pretty sure this is the reasoning for my sober October. I understandable. Oh my god, dude! No, on the big screen. It's funny because when you get the theater, you think, "Oh man, I could watch this on the big screen. I could watch this on the big screen." I figured, you know what? You guys have put me through some trash. I might as well watch it on the big screen. It did not help. No, <laughs> not no. at all. No, 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 no. You you would have been just just as well as me watching it on like a medium volume with the subtitles on after my kid went to bed. Like it <laughs> probably better better appreciated that way if it could be appreciated at all. Um. But God, we've gone way too long uh, uh, so far. Do we want to? Do we want to short by short this like we did Creep Show? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to rank your vignettes? I don't. <laughs> I, God damn it. Um, yes, rank them. I have them. They're all last here. place. I mean, they're all terrible. I mean, three way tie. They honestly. I got a favorite. I I technically have a favorite too. If like ugh, I say that through grit teeth. Sure, but, yeah. but I literally think they go best to worst in show order. I, I think yep. the albino spider of Dijet, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, is the best one. It's yeah. at least the weirdest one, which is not. Well, I'm nothing. also curious if they if they sh- if they probably shot these in script order. So like by the time they reached the third one, Glenn Danzig and crew were just like, "Fuck it, I I don't know, put a camera on sticks and let a girl take a bath. I'm gonna go in take blood. a uh, two hour lunch." Yes. Yeah, that's the weird thing about this, too. Um, and, and it's just like, I have to note, like, I don't know if you guys seen a movie like um, Scary Tales from 1997 or, or a movie, at least no. I know Chris has seen, The Burning Moon from, like, the early mm. 90s, like, 1992, the Olin uh, Inbach uh, film. Both shot mm-hmm. on video, like, horror anthologies that are, like, pretty, like, extreme and gross or whatever. Like, this is a shot on video movie, not shot on video. And you know what? I prefer the shot on video version of it. Like there's at least yeah. more charm. Like this, this is shot also on like horrible digital. Like, like it is really, yeah. like, there's no color correction or anything. It looks like it's so no. flat. Like it's, there's ugly like, looking. there's like equipment and shit in the frame. Yeah. There's like, a lot of error, technical errors in it too. And, and it, it, it just reeks of somebody who, I mean, when you're shooting on video, you're somebody with a dream and you want to make it. So, like, you may not have the, the talent or the technical know-how of how to make a movie, but damn it, you're trying. Mm-hmm. And it comes across on, on the movie that, like, you are trying to, like, this is going to be the one that gets you discovered. And this movie just reeks of somebody who's just like, I don't need this. I have this money. Just, yeah. I have money and I have some free time, so fuck it, I may as well make a movie. And that attitude is just, it just permeates everything on the screen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I back back to getting this thing started. I remember I was going to start it at the theater, and apparently this movie does have some sort of a reputation because I asked Nick 
uh, my co-owner, and then also my friend Ethan to stay behind to watch the movie with me. And they both were like, no fucking way. <laughs> and so I, I was like, you know what, man? You're not allowed in here for free anymore. And I'll figure out what to do with you later. And so, um, but yeah, we, I fired up this movie. And as it opens up, you know, uh, this stripper on the couch with this dude that's just like groping her. And then the shirt finally comes off after like the biggest struggle of all time. And then we have eyeball titties. And I took a picture and I sent it directly to them. And I said, you're missing out. They're like, nope, you're texting me. If I was missing out, you wouldn't be texting me these photos. Yeah, well... Yes, but also, like, lest Dude, we forget, like, there's, like, kind of a wraparound to this. There's, like, a sort of, like, I don't know. It's I don't think so, man. Of, well, it's not really. There's no narrative through line. It's so weird. No, you're right. It's just, like, an introduction. Like, and it never follows through. I guess that's what's weird is, like, you think that this, like, witchy character who, who gouges a woman's eyes out, which is, like, such a heavy metaphor for watching this movie of just, like, feeling like you're getting your <laughs> eyes gouged. And she, she, you know, mentions the title and like says something. You think this is like an Elvira, like who's going mm-hmm. to be like your person to guide you through the movie, and is never really followed up on again <laughs> until the end no. of the movie. Well, she's like the crypt keeper. She yeah. has puns, and she she refers directly to the audience and saying like, "Hello, my hello, my." pretties or hello my darlings or something like that hello my ragtime gals yes (laughs) god damn it um but like we keep cutting back to her and she'll have a pun about like the previous like you know short we saw and then she'll introduce the next one so like you're you're right but like there's really no there's no purpose for her to be there i mean at least like the crypt keeper has a character yeah. And is like fun, and when he says puns, it's like you yeah. know, it's dad jokes or whatever. Yeah. But it kind of like adds to the overall sort of ambiance of the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas it feels like you're right, like you were going to do a wraparound, or this is leading to something. And just like everything else in the movie, it doesn't lead. No, any. I That's- would. I would prefer she just stopped after she stopped by after every short and said, "I am sorry. I am deeply <laughs> sorry." <laughs> This is just her and the DP and one sound guy. Yeah. Glenn Danzig went to lunch and they're like, okay, okay. Like, let's get in here. Get in here, everybody. Also getting into it with, like, the actual, like, spider. It's not not the albino Spider-Man, but the the spider. The effects look like they were done on Windows 98. Yeah, they're bad. They're real bad. That's the the shocking thing. It's like a plug-in. It's so terrible. the, The actual story, though, okay? What the hell was happening? Your guess is as I mean, good as mine. Oh, nothing. I got nothing from either of you. Right on. I mean, we could try. Like, it, like, the, like you said. So we start out. There's some girl who's like awkwardly making out with a dude. Oh no, no, no. She's blowing him. So like the the introduction of these That's two right. characters starts with her sucking this dude's dick, and we're like, oh, okay, right. Like, we're, all right, we're just starting here. Then she moves on to making out with him, which <laughs> priority I mean, personally. That order of operations is out of whack. Um, but they start making out. And then she he, he, like, goes to take her shirt off. And she's immediately like, no, you know, don't do that. Which is like, you know, we're, we're beyond second base, lady. You were just sucking his dick. But he goes to take her shirt off. And like you said, when he pulls it up, she's just straight got eyeballs where her nipples should be. And the dude's like, all right, well, peace. <laughs> that, that's on my list of turnoffs. And he leaves... And then her boobs start to cry, 
and then a teardrop from one of her boob eyes lands on a uh, 1995 era um, like uh, CGI of a spider, which um, tr- transforms it. I think that's what becomes the Spider Man, right? It like starts to morph and it turns into a thing, and it becomes like this big like six armed dude in this like terrible paper mache. Uh, costume it's bad of, like a spider <laughs> I, I kind of like it also inexplicably <laughs> the whole thing takes place in France and nobody in the movie has ever heard a French person speak and they're trying their best to do in a French accent and it is embarrassing it's real bad it, it's like it's yeah it's it's like the the uh, it's like Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, like level of like <laughs> attempting to do French accents. It's 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 real bad. And <laughs> I'm glad you the, the the eye boobs thing. The the first thing I thought of, and this show did it as a joke. I thought of I think it's the third episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place with like the eye child. Oh, he's yes. like oh, yeah. racing. I was like, yeah. I was like, but that was a joke. <laughs> like you're doing it <laughs> yeah. here for this real. is trying to is, and like it's not playing this for laughs. No, that's the most baffling thing about all this. It's trying to play it straight. Yes, and none of it is landing. It's, it's mostly just confusing. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, that and he's like, there was this time like you think about, I oh god, was it like brain damage or when like he goes to sleep and the uh, Elmer kind of does his yes. own thing. Where the spy, albino Spider-Man, which, by the way, I know you said he had, like, six arms. When I was watching, I was like, shouldn't he have eight? But I guess his feet technically count. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when he's, like, telling her to go back to sleep so he can, like, so, what? wait, what, is this something that I missed? Does she got to be asleep for you to go fuck shit up? What, what are we talking about yeah. here? He's like tied to her dreams. Yeah, and, and nothing. How? And and nothing. It just it just like ends. It doesn't go anywhere. We should also ask Glenn Danzig if he's a big Mortal Kombat fan because he looks like a shitty Goro. This is <laughs> really <guy>. shitty Goro. <laughs> well, it, like his other arms aren't articulate, so they're just like <laughs> just like stiff little things like hanging off of his ribs that don't even like look like real arms, and then. He's like terribly speaking French to other people who are terribly speaking French, and the the woman has um, she sees what he sees, I guess, because like when he goes around and, and breaks people's necks, because he's le neck breaker, and if you think that's a terrible French accent, that's better than anybody did in that movie. Um, <laughs> the, he goes around just breaking people's necks, and then she'll wake up and go, "Oh no." And then she's always the first one to discover the body, which I thought would become a conflict where the cops are like, well, this uh, this uh, eye tit lady is always around whenever we're discovering these dead bodies. Um, you know, uh, maybe we should, like, ask her some questions. Nobody seems to care that she just kind of strolls into crime scenes and then takes off and had a relationship with all these people, except for the one... A uh, prostitute lady in the uh, alleyway who said that her specialty is ass fucking, which I thought was a strange area of expertise to have, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it was yeah, a sure. strange conversation to have. Period. And what's the he like? He has a name, right? What's the name of the short? The albino. Uh, it's albino spider. Uh, the albino Dejet. spider of Dejet. Okay, yeah, but well, then Dejet it was like, like the name of the they girl. just like straight up call it like the the spider neck breaker or the neck breaker, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what? Yeah, the neck breaker. 
I don't know, man. You're a neck breaker, dream maker. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Do you, guys listen to, do you guys listen to Danzig's music? Once upon a time. No. Do you guys know the song Mother? Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. I did, I did not know that that was Danzig. I had to look up Danzig to see what his music was. And I was yeah. like, oh, he made this song. How much money oh. did he make of like, um, and I hate that I know this, like the three Hangover movies, because each movie has a fucking Danzig song in it. Like there's, oh, a one, there's oh, one no. that opens one and two, and then Mother plays like somewhere in the third act of the third one. I don't know that why song, I remember that, but. That song should be, Mother, tell your children not to watch my movies. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your like children not to read my hangover series. <laughs> Hear my films, what they mean, what they say, mother. <laughs> I don't know what they mean, and they're not saying anything, Danzig. That's the issue. <laughs> it's God. Um, well, and I want to get to where that short ends, because, like you said, it's inexplicable what the relationship is. But she takes a bunch of pills to commit suicide, and then when she commits suicide, that means that. The spider guy is, like, permanently in reality, which none, none of these rules are set up. I had to kind of gather this and, and make it up as I went along. It's choose your own adventure of scripts. And uh, so he's, like, real, and he's like, oh, no, uh, uh, you, you have to wake up. And then the cops are there, again, inexplicably, <laughs> and they, they punch a hole through the door. They all come in with their guns out, and then they, they show him, like, all shooting, and then the guy goes, all right, stop. And then... I don't know who edited this film either, because there's usually, like, six seconds of just dead air before they cut to the next thing that's supposed to be happening. So they're just standing there in the room pointing their guns, and then when they cut, the spider guy's still standing there, riddled with bullets, like, ah, And he then falls over, and the, the cops go over and stand over him, and they're looking at him and being like, oh, well... This must be the neck breaker. Uh, you know, glad we took care of him. And it's like, none of you are fucking noticing that this is like a creature Spider-Man with like six arms and like there's something weird going on here. The first thing anybody mentions is they go over to the other lady that's like laying on the ground. They have a sidebar conversation and one of them's like, uh, hey, chief, she's got like a like an eye tit thing. Huh. This could, well, this anyway. Could, yeah. This could be a, like a whole... Danzig universe, though you don't know, yeah. they might oh, they shit. might see the spider people don't, all the time. Don't give him, yeah, don't give him Danzig, Danzig universe. He comes back in that vampire western that uh, that he made, oh. which I was hoping, oh, no. I was hoping slash dreading, but secretly hoping uh, it would have been on like VOD that could have watched it in in prep for this episode, but it is oh, it is no. not there yet. No, don't. Don't give any uh, I know, money I to know. Glenn Danzig. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't deserve it. So, um, do we want to get into change of face? Do we have to? Yes, we have uh, to. Okay, <laughs> it's the worst one. Really, I I disagree. I would say the last one's the worst one. I was so pissed at change of face. It is. It is so fucking inexplicable. In I mean, the last one is the worst one. In in that, like, it just it's completely inert and it doesn't need to exist. It's pointless. None of it but does. Like, the second one is like trying to pretend like it has a story. All I remember is dickhead cop in this one, like, I, and and a bunch of strip club scenes. Like, I like I think I blacked out somewhere in there. I mean, it's it starts with that girl walking down an alleyway, and then the the mystery girl shows up and is like, 
I'm gonna take your face and her off. Um, her, uh, eyes, <laughs> nose, ears, coming off. Um, no more drugs for that man. Um, We're talking to Danzig. Her, no more drugs. For yeah, Danzig. no more drugs for Glenn Danzig. Um, but like that's when she puts on her Oscar-worthy performance of like uh, my face, not my face. And then she, of course, takes her face. Uh, and then that's when they. Like, cut to, all right, next up on the dance floor is going to be Mystery Girl. <laughs> and we cut into the strip club, and she comes out wearing an outfit that covers up her fucking face. Mm. And that's her character. That's her stripper character. She's going out in the night peeling women's faces off to wear them as a mask to then put a piece of cloth over her face covering her. I thought it was going to be, like, it should be like a dark man scenario. Where she is a different girl, like embodying a, a different person, like a shapeshifter. And so then the cop that's trying to catch her has a hard time because she can change her appearance because of this collection of faces that she has. Fucking nope. None of that interesting shit is in here. No, 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 no. I, I also like that your your first stripper like is like the gingerbread man from Shrek. <laughs> like, oh my gumdrop buttons. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like one to one. It's the best impression I can. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and and it's like maybe they're going for maybe he's going for like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of like Leatherface kind of oh. thing with this. Maybe, but uh, like, but we don't really see her. We don't really see her even wear the faces. Like, when she yeah. is wearing the face, she's just the same girl every time. And she has, like, a like a couple of lines around the bottom of her eyes that kind of look like eye holes. But it doesn't actually go around her jawline or anything. So it doesn't even really look like she's wearing a face. It looks like she's just super fucking tired. Yeah. Um, and, and then, like you said, we get introduced to bald dickhead cop who's, like, oh, another one of these. Like, he's, <laughs> his voice isn't that gruff, but he's... Putting, he's putting on like, another one of those murders. Yeah, he's doing Batman. His, no, he's doing his best William Smith impersonation. <laughs> this is a hell of a bust in its own yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Chris remembers so much about this one. I, I know. He's like watched this multiple times. Like I tried to I shove this out upset. of my mind so far. <laughs> I was very upset at this movie, and it, it just stuck in my brain. I the uh, they're at the fucking crime scene, and they they find oh my god! So they find there's that girl. She goes and somehow has a key to this one girl's apartment. Waves it, gets in there, and then we just fucking smash cut to some girl standing in the middle of a room, and she goes, "Hello, who is it? I'm in here. I didn't call maintenance today." And then smash cut again. Mr. Girl standing in there with her, who's just like, "Hey, I gotta cut your face off." And she's like, "Oh." no don't do that and then she does uh how this scene happens every time cuts her face off we cut to crime scene sometime later uh, some other cop comes up to dickhead ball cop and goes all right brief me and he's like uh no no sign of fourth century uh another another dead girl uh cut her face off and then the guy goes whoa whoa all right jeez take it easy this is like you fucking asked to be brief and then he gave you details about the case you're like oh man you need to calm down there buddy and like I didn't ask for a fucking life story 
Who's in charge of this fucking crisis? I oh, fuck Glenn Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story here. Really, is fuck Glenn Danzig. I don't even want to talk about the third one. We don't have to. It, it's nothing happens. We have to. No, people fart around kidding. in like the field for like 80% of it. And, and it's like, I even have the Wikipedia pulled up here where it's like, uh, uh, follows a countess who kills virgin women and bathes in their blood. Okay, that happens once, twice. It doesn't happen often. No. Like, like, like five minutes of the fucking short is her riding on horseback with a couple other people and passing peasants, but they had a, a, a total of, like, eight peasants. And so then it's, like, her riding and then a, a reverse shot of a couple of people standing and then a shot of her riding and then the same shot of those people standing. It's like they're riding in circles very slowly around these people in the field. It's and, like, <laughs> they're supposed to be implying that they're traveling some distance, but they're not fucking going anywhere. It's like an old film noir when they do, the, like, the rear projection when people are driving. It's just the same, like, peasant extras, like, going in a circle. <laughs> 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 just rear projected. it. <laughs> as soon it, as this one started, I just sighed. Yeah. Because it was like, okay, we're going to the medieval times here. Okay, here here's the artist that is Glenn Danzig, and I'm like, God damn it! Why do we? Why what are what are we doing here? Just to find out that it's just like strippers bathing in other strippers' blood, basically. The whole fucking the, time. The whole time. That's all it is. It's it's like a two or three camera setup <laughs> of a woman in a bathtub. No, and I love it because she she like cut, cuts all these uh, hookers, strippers, whatever they are, up and like bathes in their blood. And she comes out, she's like, Oh my god. She, or her, her little her little helper's like, oh, you look so much younger. She's like, yeah, thank you. It's like, what, is, that, is that the point here? And the next scene, and it's just like, that's not a story, Glenn. <laughs> that's not what a story is. <laughs> I saw it in a movie once. It'll be good. It's it's like I'm sure it's based on a historical account. I can't remember the name of the, but there's a historical account of a woman in ancient times who killed virgins and bathed in their blood. The story's been retold in uh, Diablo 2, if you've played that, the Countess. But like, it's, I've been playing Diablo 2 Resurrected, so it's fresh in the mind. But like, it's not a new story. One and then two stories have a beginning, middle, and an end. That is just something that happened. That is not the same thing, and it does not make a movie. Danzig saw the witch and was like, I can do that. And it's like, no, you cannot. No, no, no you, you can. fucking can't. I don't know. I think we just found out that, you know, Glenn Danzig's just a big Diablo 2 fan. <laughs> he, he might be. I don't don't know. tarnish Diablo 2 with that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this whole can thing. We, yeah, can we quickly pivot out of this? Yeah, we yeah. can. Absolutely. Yeah, with, with an apology. Yeah, anything. To me. <laughs> And to me, I had to watch this movie a second time. Oh yeah, Chris, Chris, this is your fault. No wonder you got all the lines and stuff still, and you impersonated that chick perfectly. <laughs> I yeah, I was a consultant on the movie. Uh, forgot to mention, guys. Really. Um, I knew next. it. I told him the whole Diablo two thing, and then he just, just ran with it. I knew it. You mentioned Chicago a couple times since you moved to the East Coast. That's what you were doing. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't shot there, but you know what I mean. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Yeah. No. Let's let's. Back to you, Chris, because they're your picks. Let's get out of this. Let's let's get to something yeah, yeah. that at least I, I think we all agree we might have some contention a little bit, but I think we're all in agree this is at least a much more enjoyable movie to sit through 
then Veronica. Yeah. yeah, so is every other movie in the world. <laughs> I Yeah, I think, so, uh, Waxwork, getting into Waxwork. Waxwork I saw late night on TV when I was a little kid, and I, like, adored it. Uh, especially because I've said before on the show I wasn't really like well, allowed to watch horror movies and stuff so being able to sneak out of bed to go watch a movie late at night this was one of those like you know there's some ooky spookiness in there that sort of stuck with me for a very long time so it has a soft spot in my heart I watched it again for the first time a few years ago and, and was kind of like because a, a large percentage of the movie is not enjoyable like it's not good but there are there are little nuggets in there that that are I think still to, to this day to me like some of the most effective little vignettes of horror that I've seen, and that's why I said up top that there's probably going to be some contention here about this being an anthology, um, since anthologies sort of even if they're not even if they're directed by the same person like in the case of Creepshow. Um, there's change of cast, there's change of location, there's change of time period. All that stuff is going on, and so that sort of comes with the territory. So Waxwork, as it stands, is uh, a couple of, uh, I, I think, college-aged kids. They might be high schoolers. I'm not sure, because like, they're going to like football practice and shit, which seems like a very high school it thing, might be. but they're sitting in... Lecture hall. One of the, the actors is Dana Ashbrook, who most famously plays Bobby Briggs on Twin Peaks, which he played a high school, mm-hmm. which was a high schooler, came two years after Waxwork. So I, I would I would wager they're probably in high school, just based on okay. that criteria. I mean, he's older than a high schooler, even in Twin Peaks, let alone Waxwork. But that's where I my mind would go. I I would go with with, with what your call is. I, I was thrown off by like their lecture hall looking like a collegiate lecture hall. I've never seen a high school like that, but I'm not from California, so maybe that's you know how they look in in some areas down there. But I, either way, it, it's these high school kids. Um, a, a couple of them discover that a waxwork has uh, sprung up in their town mysteriously, and they're invited to a midnight show. So they go to this midnight show. And lo and behold, there's some magic that is surrounding the, um, the the wax scenarios that are spelled out in there. And as they go through the floor, there's um, uh, there's like a werewolf attack. Uh, there's a vampires. There's zombies. There's all sorts of horror vignettes that are solidified in wax. And if you get up into the actual, um, I don't know what the word is for it. Um, but if you get it, if you go past the velvet rope into the display, you actually go into the display and you enter this horror movie scenario with whatever was actually on display. And that's to me, I, I a loose definition, but I'm going to count it as a as a anthology, simply for the reasoning that those portions, when they're in the displays, are. The, the superior movie like this is definitely what the director wanted to do he was making the rest of the movie to get to making these these horror shorts open to argument no no i i think i i would agree um from the standpoint of it because like the movie i thought of so it's not a weird comparison when i spell it out but when i say the title it's going to be maybe a weird comparison to people but the movie i thought of in this argument is something like la la land um, which is a movie that I love, but La La Land for the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes is like pretty much wall to wall musical numbers. And then it's musical numbers in the end of the movie too. But there's a large section in the middle of La La Land where there's not really a lot of music, 
but I would still mm. classify La La Land as a musical. And so by that rationale, I would do the same thing with Waxwork. Like, it's it's very clear. This was, uh, so Anthony Hick- Hickox, this was also Vestron Pictures, not just Vestron Video, who picked up movies and released them on VHS. This is when they started making their own movies. Um, it's a pretty small budget movie. And so it's, it's clear um, there's a lot of imagination and a lot of creativity in it. It's clear that budget was an issue because the first 30 minutes or 40 minutes have two pretty awesome little self-contained short stories uh one of them a werewolf story one of them a vampire story i think that vampire story is the standout for me personally mm-hmm. um and then the whole ending 20 30 minutes is like really really a blast uh but then there's a large 50 minutes in the middle of the movie and i think this yeah. is maybe what kind of came to your criteria as a what chris um is that like the, the 50 minutes in the middle of the movie are the, it drags like it really really drags it becomes sort of like a um you know not like a detective i mean it's a detective story but it's like you, one of the students is in the detective role the student of mark yeah played by zach gallican most famously billy peltzer from gremlins um who who like not to i always like to not dig on cast or crew you know they're the last people to blame but like zach gallican outside of gremlins man it just just not not the the most astute actor i mean like no. you know it's like he he has the recognition because gremlins was such a such a you know watershed movie in the pop culture lexicon so people know him but you know not great i i would have swapped even though he does play the sort of douchey character better i would have swapped like dana ashbrook in that role personally uh i think he would have had a little bit more to lead uh the that movie through what it needs to lead to um mm-hmm. Uh, I guess last thing, and I've gone on too long because I want to hear from Frakes, is that uh, I did, funny enough, Chris, I watched, and, and Frakes, I watched a movie recently. Uh, it's called, um, it's called uh, Sundown. Um, shoot, I already forgot the name of it, but Anthony Hickox directed the movie as well. Um, it was mm. also another Vestron video film. Uh, Sundown, the Vamp- Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat. Yeah, one year after Waxwork. Also, oh, some wow. okay. reused sets. I'm pretty sure I recall seeing the vampire, uh, like lab set in like a prison mm-hmm. sequence in that movie. Um, I think that movie has a more consistent tone than this movie. It also has, I think, better performers overall. I mean, most notably, it has David Carradine and Bruce Campbell. I mean, it's hard to kind of go wrong there. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I would maybe point people towards that. Um, he also directed the third Hellraiser movie, which is okay. Um, but that's something like that. I think has a more consistent tone than Waxwork. But I do think you know you mentioned you rewatched it a couple years ago. We watched it together. That was the first time mm-hmm. I watched the movie, and I think it's fun. And I, I would mm-hmm. categorize it as an anthology because they kind of go through different scenarios, especially with classic Universal monsters, werewolf and uh, vampires, and like Dracula, and then you have like the zombie story. So it's like I, I would. I, I, it's fun, but it is like, but no going in. There's there's about a big midsection of the movie that's really really dull. Yes, yeah, which is unfortunate. And Frakes, I want to I want to hear what you got to say about this. Yeah, <coughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, no. So I uh, yeah. I started watching this movie and um, I texted Oliver because I was like, is this the right movie? Because I didn't feel like it was an anthology myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that this movie is based on a film from 1924, which was a silent film called Wax Works, right? Um, mm. I would be curious to go back and see 
I, I, I'm pretty sure it's just the idea of the actual stepping onto the display and it turn into something, uh, turn into a story with a monster where I think at this point in time, we did get all the universal monsters and all the other monsters, zombies, werewolves, you know, uh, vampires and stuff. Um, I don't know. I got, there's, there's aspects of this movie that I really do enjoy. Um, there is definitely some what the fuck moments for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, yeah, from, uh, Anthony Hickox, I just was kind of confused as to what his, where he was really headed, you know? I, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell if he was, I couldn't tell if he just wanted to make a movie that he could show off all of the different types of monsters in one movie and then just lack on what he was going to do in between everything if he wasn't just going to show them all, because conti- there's plenty of monsters to keep going through and stepping through, right? Mm-hmm. Where, I, I agree with you guys, it's the same thing with the, the whole middle part of the story or going back to the real world, it kind of just gets lost in, I guess what I think he just didn't know what to do with the story itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have fun with it though. i had a lot of fun with it. Um, didn't know if they were in high school or college with their, with their, <laughs> with their Hitler teacher. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there's some weird stuff like the, uh, when they're talking on the bleachers, you mentioned the football scene earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that, but like it just like keeps cutting to the football plays, and then they go back to talking, and it's like keeps cutting to like the football has nothing to do with it. No, no, and <laughs> it's like in slow motion of them like slamming into each other and shit, and yeah. you think it's gonna come up or like I don't even remember if like dickhead boyfriend football guy comes back into the movie. Yeah, I I, I don't can't remember. I don't recall but... if he does either. But, but in the stories, I'm just I'm just there's things I like about it. There's a little lack of suspense. Because I'm just like, sure. when we get to like the werewolf thing at the very beginning, mm-hmm. I'm like, is this, does this werewolf actually want to kill anybody? <laughs> like, like, what is this? And then you have like the vampire. John Reese Davies, he's doing his best to not. <laughs> yeah. He's honorable. <laughs> yes. And then like the vampire thing too, they like have a dance over that table for mm-hmm. like five minutes. I'm like, just grab the guy. Let's do this. You know? I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. I'll, I'll let you guys continue the actual following the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, yeah, I agree. It's a little hokey in some of those areas. Some of the, like, just fucking get on with it. But, like, I, the the movie starts so poorly. And, like, you are like, oh, no. And I, maybe it works to its benefit. Because by the time it did reach the first real vignette, which is the werewolf story, mm-hmm. it was a relief to be like, oh, good. We're not doing any of the other shit we've been doing for the last 20 minutes. But then, like the 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 effects that went into making that uh, werewolf, that werewolf looks great, and I'm just happy to see John Reese Davies anytime that I see him on the screen. Oh yeah, uh, uh, indie. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, and so I, like or, you know Gimli, depending on on when you, you know, first got introduced to John Reese Davies, but. Um, <laughs> when the, he goes full monster and starts attacking him and that one dude comes in and he like you think he's gonna do a Jason Voorhees smash his head on screen thing but instead he just rips him in half lengthwise yes. down the center yes I'm just like oh, this is fucking rad why haven't we been doing this the whole time but that, that that's the stuff I think that makes this movie like you know at least notable um you know especially mm-hmm. on a small budget like you, we mentioned i mean again i'm i'm a, i'm a insinuating a lot in that it was an issue but again if you're if your movie's not you're kind of setting up that it's going to be this sort of vignette type of thing and then it's like okay it's that for two segments 
and then it follows up in the end and then you don't do it for a large portion of the movie i have to assume that that's the case but but i think all the practical stuff is really great i think the, like the werewolf ripping mm-hmm. in half is really great i i love the vampire scene where the guy is in like the hospital bed and his like leg is like completely not off Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like given the sort of like exposition of like what to do and like that whole sequence is a lot of fun as well. But I the think champagne bottles, yeah, and, the, and they that's pop. A, it's a really creative way to go about it, and especially in like a small, small movie, small budget sort of way. But I do agree with Frakes is like I, I think the idea, I think the idea came first, and they just didn't quite know how to like stretch it through all the way. And so they're like, okay, well, it, it, it's like any like sh- small budget like sci-fi movie where they're like, okay, we're gonna go out into the California desert, and we'll shoot some scenes there, and then we'll like shoot it in the valley uh, for like half the movie, and then we'll we'll like kind of stitch it together to try and make it look like we're in outer space or on like right. whatever Tatooine knockoff we're doing, and so like it has that sort of like feel to it, but I do I still think it's very charming overall and and um yeah I, I i think it's charming that's that's i guess that's where i would put but it, it, it is like i said it's a bit of a slog in the midsection for sure um uh, you know you ultimately don't really care where a lot of it's going uh, i do like david warner as the waxwork man like i, I like i think he at least has some exudes some sort of mystery and um and admittedly i got a giddiness i mean i know all three of us grew up in the pacific northwest but freaks you and i are from the same town yep. i i don't know how you felt about this but like whenever i went to the oregon coast i always lived for the waxwork museum in newport oregon oh yeah 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 i loved that like so so like there was there was a little bit of like nostalgia for something like going to a waxwork museum while watching this movie i was like oh hey i remember that i remember seeing the the captain kirk and spock or whatever uh that they had they always had like both star wars and star trek displays but um, saying if you're from a small enough town it's not creepy it's awesome <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying yes exactly look which i got all, a picture with spock which all three of us are and from small ass fucking towns so uh, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah I, I had a little ping nostalgia uh for that because i would always love to i think my parents got annoyed each time we went because they're like it's the same it's the fucking same every time <laughs> but i was like i don't care it's awesome <laughs> Well, it is. I, I went to my first wax work, and probably only wax work was in Oregon. Uh, there was a Ripley's Believe It or Not that had uh, wax displays. Was it also so, the one like, in Newport? Yeah, that's <laughs> the one he's probably. talking about. Yeah. That's the one he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I went to the one in New- Newport when I was really young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's other things about this movie that I really liked. Uh, I like the fact that if you die in the display, you become part of the display. I thought that was mm-hmm. a really great idea. Yeah. Um, then there's other things too where. You know, like Hans, like the the little small small guy and the big mm-hmm. giant guy. Like I couldn't oh, yeah. tell if that was like pre thought out of there. Like just let's just let's just do this as like a fun kind of character thing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was an interesting way, like kind of you know like Crypt Keepers or having a weird like sidekicks for the for uh, what is it David Warner's character. Yeah, yeah, um, and it was almost sort of like a like an Adam family sort of thing. Like yeah, everything is just a little bit odd or a little bit off. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I I, th- I thought that, that was a good idea. Um, also, you know, I guess I, I don't know what you guys are if you're ready to get to like the like the end or how things work. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I'm, the, the movie's been out long enough. I think it's fine. To, to <laughs> okay, spoil it. the, one of the one of the things that like dry, drove me crazy though was like when. Uh, our main character uh, was Zach Galligan. 
finds out he's like the whole like I don't if I don't believe in you then this is not real. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> right. The and whole Freddy Freddy Krueger like kind of like yeah logic. yeah. And so I don't like it in Nightmare on Elm Street either. Yeah. I, I hate it. But my thing is like he so he figures this out and he gets out right and the big guy's there and he throws him into the same one uh, his the girls in and he tells her he's like no you just can't believe in it we'll get out of here like if I was the big guy I would just stay out there and wait for him to get out again and keep tossing him in right <laughs> yeah just keep kicking him back so he gets out and then the guys they're just like gone you know yeah I don't know yeah I I I hate that trope of uh, we we've written ourselves into a corner. I don't know how to get them out of this fantastical thing. Oh, if they just realize that they don't believe in the fantastical thing, it loses all of its power. Like it's completely uncreative, especially with how creative it's been up until this point. Like I, I know, and it's probably not to be trusted. I know for a fact it's not to be trusted. But like IMDb trivia, they said that originally they were, they wanted a bigger budget for this, and they wanted it to not just be Universal monsters, but they wanted to have other licensed properties. One of them being. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, the the Phantom of the Opera guy that's there was supposed to be Jason Voorhees, and so when he has the conversation with a young kid who's like, "Oh wow, they got the mask and everything," like it's weird. It feels out of place and out of time that this teenage kid in the eighties is like, "Oh man, fuck yeah, the Phantom of the Opera!" Like he's not going to be excited about that. It makes more sense if it's Jason Voorhees, but they couldn't get the licensing because I mean, fucking can with that lawsuit that's been going on for thirty years. So they got they but, got the public domain. <laughs> So they went to the public domain option, which, like, it just speaks to the budget of the movie. Is like, this is what we could work with. We can only work with monsters from the 1930s or before. Mm-hmm. So if it's not the creature from the Black Lagoon, we're fucked. Yeah. And it's just weird to have these, these like, teenage kids commenting on it since it's, like, so out of time for them. But so is the wax work, I guess. I love that, though. When they, like, start getting, when you start getting towards the climax of this and you see, and it, like, flashes to all of the monsters and the pieces that are supposed to be in this wax work museum. And they, like, keep showing up, and I'm like, damn, there's more of them. It's like, it really shows what the production team, like, went through to put this all together. There's a ton of pieces in there, and I think, I don't know, I think that in itself was pretty awesome just to see yeah. on display, you know? Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Uh, my favorite, my favorite short, though, like, jumping into it was uh, actually the zombie one when they cut to black and white. Yeah, oh. that is cool. The Night of the Living Dead hat Dude, tip straight one. up, yeah. yes. I, I was like, okay, here we go. This is fantastic. Yeah. Good, good, good on you, Anthony Cox. Yeah, it shows he knew he knew what he was doing. Like you know, it's like he knew the the things that he was playing off of, and like what he wanted to homage, and what like you know what properties they could get with the budget, and like how they could mm. play off of it. Like I, I think the the mimicry here in the the things that are like you know in the actuality, like you know such as the Night of the Living Dead situation in yours, or like maybe something like I don't know Silver Bullet or something in the or the Howling. Mm. In that werewolf segment, like like all that, I think is is yeah, it's really impressive for what they could do, for sure, and what the money that they had. Yeah, uh, can I say what my favorite vignette was? Because Ryan, you said that yours was the vampire. Yeah, I've already said it, so go for it. Yeah, you. you Mine's the mummy. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, I, I it's very it's really short in comparison to the others, but like uh, the the simplicity of like shooting it and there's just like black goop blood coming out of it and it doesn't give a fuck if the bullets just like fly through it but then just like the concept of like tossing them in a sarcophagus and then just putting the lid on and knowing that like they, they just get to fucking like you know die of dehydration in there or whatever yeah it's just like that's legitimate fucking scary man like unstoppable force just coming to fucking ice you 
Yeah, yeah. I love when it's you enter. Sure. When you enter too, they're like, "Go over there and help them open it." <laughs> you know, yeah. like like you're immediately part of the story that's already supposedly happening on the display. Yeah. And she looks at the girl. She's like, "What are you doing? Go help him. Don't look at me." That's another thing that's understated is that the the only the only time that it, that that's not followed is when the first guy gets sucked into the werewolf thing. He's very much like, what the fuck? Like, oh, like somebody put acid in my drink. Yeah. And he's not he's not convinced he's not a part of the story. But everyone else, when they get sucked into one of these, there there's seemingly a bunch of backstory that's happened before their character in this story has reached this moment. And they're being pulled into the story and convinced. And, and like, um, uh, the, the um, Zach Galligan's girlfriend, or I guess she's not his girlfriend, um uh, is it uh it's the girl that wants to be his girlfriend yeah yeah the girl who wants to be his girlfriend she when she gets pulled into the vampire story and there's like a dinner going on they're like oh i i didn't think you'd be joining us but you know we set you a table or set you a place at the table and she just goes and joins and, and like is is immediately wrapped into the middle of the story so i thought that was another creative way of like your brain is convinced once you're a part of this story that like you will follow the the next tropes to get you to the point that you need to be in in order to be killed and follow the 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 presentation that's going on here For which sure. i don't know i dig it i dig it you just get there like hey johnson get over here you're like who's johnson oh my johnson uh, <laughs> cool <laughs> sure whatever all right hell yeah let's Mommy, open huh? this all right cool yeah sweet i'm into it all right yeah i i mean i know that like if we're if we're playing by percentages, if this is a game of percentages, the majority of the movie is a slog, and it kind of sucks. But this Halloween season, if you're having a Halloween party and you just kind of want to throw something on in the background that isn't going to take too much attention, and you can turn to every once in a while, and there might be something cool going on, I think this is that type of movie where it's like you don't really need to pay a whole bunch of attention to it. It's not, you know, uh, nothing too deep. But there are small little bits and portions to it that are highly enjoyable if you take the time. Agreed. I would agree. Agreed. I think it's a fun. I think it's a fun movie if you're not expecting too much. Like there, mm-hmm. there are really exciting, cool things in it, especially for like a low budget movie such as this. I think it is a good time overall. Um, but yeah, there, the, you know, of course, we've we've already said it ad nauseum. There's there's a whole chunk in the middle that kind of stinks. And it kind of loses momentum, but it does pick back up by the end. Um, and, and you know, I think it's 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 still fun. I think it's worth watching. Agreed. I think this movie's fun when it's fun. Uh, I agree totally with Chris, man. If you're having a, if you're having a Halloween party and you want to throw something on that's got every monster in it just throughout the night, yeah, go for it. And you won't be mad that like as a, like a film loving person that people aren't paying attention to the movie. Like you can throw it on, and you're like, yeah, this is fun, but eh, you don't have to pay attention to like fifty percent of the movie. So right. it's yeah. it's a good. That's call. why I say Halloween party. Most people are gonna be drinking or hanging out and having the conversations, and you can turn and be like, holy shit, that werewolf just ripped a dude in half. Exactly. And like that is is that type of movie. Yeah. It's not gonna be something that like you said it, you gotta pay you gotta pay attention to Nightmare on Elm Street or something. It yeah. also solves the what issue of people going into it thinking it's like a straight up anthology, you know? Right. Then it's like, Oh no, just cross that off the list. Yeah. Just play it in the background. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it's, I know I'm splitting hairs on this one. And I knew that coming into it, but I, I'm standing, this is a hill I will die on. I think it's a fair hill. 
I, like I said, I, I think my, my La La Land comparison is the best way to go from the standpoint of, like, okay, you would still consider that movie a musical, even though 50% mm-hmm. of it is not a musical. I would consider right. Waxwork the anthology, plus, you know, where we looked at the, the one thing to note, you know, I talked about when we talked about Creep Show that I prefer anthologies where a different filmmaker did different shorts. But all three of these movies are binded by the fact that it's the same filmmaker doing all of them. So mm-hmm. I, I think by your definition, Chris, I think it fits. I'll take it. I'll count it as a win. That is our episode on uh, horror anthologies. Chris, great set of picks. And I guess before we close out, we'll we'll pitch next week's episode. We're going to go back mm-hmm. in the mini territory. Um, it's going to be another twofer. We're going to be talking about No Time to Die, which is the latest James Bond film, the last Daniel Craig James Bond film. Uh, We'll also be talking about Lamb, the latest uh, horror film from A24. Very excited. But in the meantime, you can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at thegoodbadwhat. And you can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of any movies that we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you could find in the show notes, respectively. We'll start with Frakes as our guest. Where can more people find you or the Cinemagic online, if they so choose? You can find the Cinemagic uh, in Portland, Oregon, at 2021 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. You guys can find us online on Instagram, uh, Cinemagic Theater. Uh, please remember, if you guys want to, please come see The Good, The Bad, and The What Presents Pieces on October 16th. Uh, it's a Saturday at 9.30. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I hope to see you guys there. And yeah, that's about it for me. Awesome. And yes, please, please, please come to our showing. It's going to be a lot of fun, as Frank said. It's a such a it's such a fun movie to watch with a crowd. Like, I cannot think of a better movie to just have a rowdy blast with people. Um, like, please come check it out. And I'd like to add to that, our audience and our place to see it is the perfect place and perfect audience to watch this movie with. Yep. It's going to be a good time. I would second it. I saw They Live uh, recently at the Cinemagic with a very near sold out crowd and it was an absolute blast. So I would highly recommend it. Um, over to Chris. Where can more people find you online individually? Oh, yeah. If you would like to, you can find me on Twitter at THOCristo89 or on Redbox. Or Redbox. <laughs> That's incredible. You can't find shit on Redbox. Uh, you can find me at Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. And you can follow me on Twitter at Riley90. That's R-Y-O-L-I-E 90. And you can follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Freaks, for joining us. Yes, anytime absolutely man love to have you and we'll be back next week for our takes on no time to die and lamb <laughs> red box <laughs> red boxing <laughs> <laughs>